seated if you would. And good morning for those of you who are with us in person in the building this morning. Those of you who are joining us online, so good to be gathered. My name is Jeremy. Um, many of you I know, some, some I do not. We have new people with us every single week, and so I am one of the pastors on staff here. And, and Pastor Brian is actually over in Ireland this morning with his daughter Eliana, visiting one of our sister churches in the GCC, the Great Commission Collective which is the network of uh, churches that we are a part of. And so he is ministering there, will be gone this week. And uh, so I am honored to be able to bring God's word to you. So if you think about it, just pray for him, for our church uh, family in Ireland, and for safe travel for Pastor Brian. Uh, grab your Bible, go over to Matthew chapter seven, continuing our series, Kingdom Culture. We are kind of on the home stretch here. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter five through Matthew seven. And uh, we are entering chapter seven today and, and we'll be in the next few weeks uh, concluding our series, Kingdom Culture, in which we've been talking about the values, the ethics of the kingdom of God. Jesus comes in his first sermon. He begins talking about how different, how radically different the world is than the kingdom and, and the ethics, the values, the principles of the kingdom. And, and as we've seen so many times in Jesus' teaching and we see common throughout scripture, the kingdom of God starts on the inside and then works its way out and it bears fruit. It produces things in our lives. And Jesus turns a corner today uh, over in Matthew 7 and he begins talking about our relationships with each other, the way that we relate with each other. This passage is a very important passage, and in context of the whole Sermon on the Mount, it's, it's a very, very powerful topic that Jesus addresses, and we're going to unpack and talk about today. So thankful for how God has been working through this series, and, and last week, we dealt with, uh, at the end of Matthew 6, worry and anxiety and such a, a prevalent felt need in our culture, and, and it was such a beautiful time to see so many respond and come forward and, and be able to cast their anxiety on Jesus and, and, uh, and know that he is the antidote to anxiety. And so if that is something that maybe you missed last week or you weren't here, but you're like, that's a battle of mine, go back and listen to that message. Today, we, in Matthew 7, we talk about the way that we treat others, loving others. You see, we're called as Christ followers to love God, to love others and make disciples. And so we're gonna talk a lot today about the way we love others because that's what Jesus is addressing. Look at Matthew 7. Let's read verses one through six. <clears throat> judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and don't throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Okay, kind of a common passage of scripture. Uh, many people are familiar with verse one, don't judge and you won't be judged, but is, what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that we should shut off all uh, moral capacities, that we should never look at things in right size and assess? No, that's not what he's saying. What Jesus is actually saying in this passage as we read it in context and we understand the broader context of the kingdom culture is he's saying this. He's saying, judge your own heart rightly to serve others lovingly. There's a progression here. He's not prohibiting 
judgment. He's, what he's doing is he's exposing errant judgment. And there's two major errors we make in judgment that Jesus is talking about in this passage. The first one is to be overly harsh and critical and, and not be aware of your own issues, but think that somehow you should be judging everybody else, right? That's the one we kind of like to jump to. The second one is to be unwise and undiscerning and not, not uh, wise about, about what you say to who and the timing of things. And we're gonna talk about that as we work our way through this passage today. So right, start right there in verse one, chapter seven, verse one, judge not that you be not judged. <clears throat> Again, maybe you've, uh, you've used this at some point. You're like, hey, didn't Jesus say that we, weren't, we shouldn't judge each other? Well, yeah, he, he did say that. So you shouldn't judge me. And it's like, yes, he did say that, but that's not what he's saying in this context. That's actually not understanding what he's talking about here. So we can't just take it out of context, but what Jesus is talking about, what he's addressing here, don't judge others, is he's talking about a hypocritical, elitist, harsh, condemning, judgmental, I'm better than you, holier than thou, overly critical, always seeking to tear others down kind of judgment. That's what he's prohibiting. He says, don't judge that way because if you judge that way, that's what's gonna come back to you. What Jesus is doing in this passage is he's leading us away from bad judgment, errant judgment, and he's leading us towards how to judge rightly. And it starts with looking inwardly before we ever look outwardly. He's leading us towards Christ-like judgment. Now, bad judgment is our default nature. Because we're sinful human beings, we are naturally, we are born bad judges. And we can unlearn bad judgment. We can learn how to be good judges. So if Jesus was prohibiting moral assessment or judgment, he wouldn't have said what he said in verse six about, about being wise and discerning about who you're talking to. And certainly in verse 15, he called false prophets ravenous wolves. So he's not saying shut off your moral capacities. He's saying do it rightly, judge rightly, okay? What makes us bad judges? Let's just kind of explore this because if we can just accept that naturally our default position is we're just not very good at judging people and judging situations and circumstances for multiple reasons. One is we have ignorant or limited knowledge. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to draw really big conclusions with very little information? Are you guilty of doing that? I know I am. Sometimes I, I'm sure because I know this much of the picture that this is the right, true judgment of what's going on, when in reality it's not. We draw big conclusions that are biased or lopsided, one-sided, without really understanding why people are doing or acting the way that they are. Sometimes our experience in life can make us hypersensitive to certain issues, or maybe something, it just hits too close to home for us. Like maybe you've been in a bad relationship at, at one point, and say you, you, this guy or this lady just treated you very poorly, and it's so easy to go to these broad conclusions, right? Like, well, all men are this way, or all women are this way. Jumping to very, very broad categorical conclusions. You know, this week, um, <clears throat> this weekend, uh, my wife and I, we were, we were watching a, a movie and, and, uh, and on the couch and she meant she just, she just wanted to debate with me about, <clears throat> about quilts and comforters. And she's like, quilts just don't even compare. Comforters are so much better than quilts. And we got into this kind of back and forth and she was just bent on telling me how much better comforters were. And I said, you know, sweetheart, you just have to be so careful about making blanket statements like that. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. 
Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Blanket statements. That day, you guys were like, oh, I thought this was an actual story. No, it was just a dad joke, a well-placed dad joke, right? Blanket statements. But we do that that day, so it didn't happen. We weren't arguing about quilts and comforters, although comforters are clearly better than quilts. I think we all know that, right? <clears throat> But we do, we do have a tendency to put people in categories or to make blanket statements when we don't really know and understand the, the broadness or the depth of the situation. Based on preconceived ideas, whether people have a different social or political or theological stance on whatever the issue is, we tend to go, well, that person, they said that, therefore, this is what's true of the whole of them, and we put them in a category. It's unwise and it's poor judgment to do that without conversation, without any relationship, without even knowing a person, to judge them in a harsh, critical way and think that you know, you've filled in the blanks, you've assumed the motives, you, you, you know all about, and, and that's just poor judgment. That's what Jesus is exposing here. Unmerciful and an inconsistent standard. If we want the fullest extent of the law and beyond for others, but we want grace and mercy for ourselves, that makes us hypocritical. And that's what Jesus is exposing. Poor and immature judgment is overly sensitive. Maybe quick-tempered, easily offended, feeling hurt, you know, having your feelings hurt easily. Assuming the worst, like I know your motives, I know. Filling in the blanks, reading between the lines accusing. Man, all of these things make us very bad judges, and we hate being judged that way. I, 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 man, no, nobody is, is exempt from that feeling of like, somebody's got you in a box and got you judged, and you're like, you're so far off. That's just not even true, but won't even listen and seek to understand. We don't like when we feel that way, but how often have we ourselves done that and treated others that way? That's what Jesus is addressing. We put ourselves in the role of prosecutor, jury, and judge all in one. And Jesus is like, that's not good judgment. Don't judge or you'll be judged. What he's saying is you can expect to receive what you give. Now this has, has a twofold meaning. The first is, is the reciprocal principle, meaning that horizontally in our relationships, like if you're rude and judgmental and arrogant and condemning and harsh to others, don't be surprised when others are rude and harsh and condemning and arrogant towards you, right? So maybe if, if you're here or you're watching and you feel like, man, I just feel like people treat me like that all the time, might be a good time to take inventory and go, but is that what I've been dishing out? Because that will come back to you. It will come back to you in our relationships with each other. But Jesus is also saying that God himself will judge you accordingly. And I'm going to unpack this a little more, how this works in the kingdom culture as we talk, but God himself will judge us by the standard that we judge others. Do you feel like people are treating you this way? Maybe you're reaping what you've sown. Now, this is, again, it's not exactly like the instant karma videos that we watch. I mean, those are funny videos. You ever see the guy who, like, you know, is mad and he whips the ball and then, then it, like, bounces right back in his face? Or, you know, the road rage guy who's cutting people off and then, oh, he rolled his car in the ditch and everybody's like, yes, he got what he deserved, right? Instant karma. That's kind of an example of this, but, it, but Jesus is talking about more of a broad culture over, over our, the period of our lives, the way that what you give will come back to you. You can expect to receive what you give. Luke, in his version of the uh, Sermon on the Mount over in Luke chapter six, 
verses 37 and 38, he expounds this a little more and he, he colors things more maybe that Jesus was, was saying even more broadly. He says, judge not and you will not be judged, condemn not, and you will not be condemned. And then he goes on to talk about forgiveness. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. And then he says the same thing, for with, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So we have the measuring stick in our hands. And the measuring stick that we use is how we are judged and how we're measured. We have the, the tools of, of size and quantity, whether it's a spoon or a bucket or a dump truck, what goes around comes around. And, and, and Luke is, re, is referring to giving. And, and if you're stingy and greedy and you hold on to yourself, it's like nobody's gonna give to you and God's not gonna give to you. But if you're generous and you're free and you're giving, God just sees to it that those blessings just kind of keep coming back around to you. What about forgiving people? I refuse to forgive that person. Then it's like, hey, guess what? You've not really received how much you've been forgiven and you're not, you're not going to receive forgiveness. Judging, harsh, ignorant, unmerciful, assuming the worst. That's what Jesus is dealing. And the first thing he says is he says, expect to receive what you give. You know, we, um, we do kind of going back to this idea of, of being bad judges and these things that taint or skew our judgment. If, you think, if you're sure that your assessment of a situation is absolutely right without talking to anybody or without asking questions, that's really not a great place to start. Because we, we get it wrong. We just assume wrongly. We fill in the blanks wrongly. And Ken Sandy has, has written a book. He's, a, he's an author, Christian author, writer, and he, he's written a book called The Peacemaker. Great book talking about conflict resolution. And he wrote an article kind of out of that, that same category. And he cited a few different examples. Let me just read a few that I thought were so good. He said, if someone delays answering a letter or fulfilling a commitment, we assume that he or she is avoiding us and evading their responsibilities. Could it be that he has been in a, in a serious accident and is in the hospital recovering? Or maybe overwhelmed by other responsibilities? Why, why, why is it, do you ever stop and think about that? Like, why are we so quick to assume the worst about other people? You know, it's like, why are we so quick to go fill in the blank? When, when there's blanks to be filled in, we put the worst possible, like, answers in the blanks. The worst case scenario, reading between the lines. Why is our natural tendency towards giving people, like, a very harsh judgment versus charitable judgment and giving them the benefit of the doubt? Why is it that we want people to, to be charitable to us, but we refuse to be charitable to them? That's what Jesus is saying as he's going, the measure that you use will be measured back to you. Don't judge others with a standard that's harsh and law and punishment, but then expect grace and mercy in return. It doesn't work that way. Maybe our children haven't completed their chores on time. We conclude that they're being disobedient. Could it be that they're just distracted and maybe a simple reminder would help them or that they're not trying to, but they're just, they're just you know, busy doing other things? <clears throat> if an employer fails to give us a raise, we assume that uh, she's unappreciative or greedy. Could it be that she's struggling to keep the business going and facing the increasing costs of inflation and, the, and competition and, and just trying to keep the doors open? But why, why do we assume the worst? Why do we go there? That's what Jesus is exposing because we, by default, are bad judges. Lopsided, biased, ignorant. We don't, we don't understand. We don't love rightly. 
It's way easier to just point fingers than it is to look in a mirror. Jesus is, is reading, leading us to good judgment. Aren't you thankful that Jesus loves us enough to just simply tell us the truth, right? He loves us enough to say, hey, get the log out of your eye before you go trying to deal with anybody else's. Why do you see, look at number, uh, verse three here, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that's in your own eye? <clears throat> Interesting, do not notice. You know, pride has, has a blinding effect, doesn't it? Maybe the reason that you can't see your own sin is because it's actually obstructing your view and you're blind to it. But we're so quick to want to pick other people apart and tear other people down and criticize other people because there's this, there's this weird thing that makes us feel better about ourselves. If I can shine light on everybody else's sin, it makes me feel justified. And Jesus is like, you're not justified. You're, we're, just, we're all sinful. We're all just as messed up as the next person. What he's leading us to is judging our own heart rightly so that we can serve others lovingly. Why do you, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own? But this just, again, is just the basic human condition. This is our default. We maximize other people's sin and we minimize our own. If you've been married for more than 15 minutes, you realize this is true. You get into that maybe even before you're married, right? You ever get in an argument with your spouse or maybe with, with a friend or a coworker and it's like, you're bent on just getting them to see how wrong and how sinful they are and how they've wronged you. And then that person is doing the same thing and that doesn't typically go very well. Because we have logs in our eyes and we're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to deal with other people's sin but we haven't dealt with our own. Jesus is saying when you deal with your own sin, it actually puts you in a place to be able to help others, to help others lovingly. Pride has this blinding effect. Remove the log from your own eye. You'll see clearly to remove the speck. But now it's interesting to look in verses three and four because Jesus identifies who, he, who he's talking to here. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye? Your brother's eye. And then in verse four, how can you say to your brother? You know who he's talking to? He's talking to us as brothers and sisters. His audience here is the, is the family of God. He's not just saying this necessarily to everybody. He's talking about the culture of the kingdom and the values of the kingdom and judging rightly in the kingdom, being good moral judges, understanding how to judge rightly. And when we don't deal with our own sin, we are blind and arrogant and we think that we can, we can somehow judge others and, and it's all hypocritical supremacy. The culture of the kingdom is loving confrontation. You see, there's, we, don't, we don't, wouldn't want people to just not deal with us. I mean, to say there's something, if I've got a speck in my eye, I want my brothers and sisters to lovingly come around me and go, hey, there's, there's this thing we need to talk about in a loving, not harsh and critical way dealing with the issue. I don't want them to just ignore it, right? That's the way the culture of the kingdom works is we love each other. We care enough about each other to speak the truth in love. But this is what Jesus is saying. Verse five, he says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye, he's saying this, stop, stop. Deal soberly with yourself. That's the second thing. So to judge ourselves rightly, to serve others lovingly, we can expect to receive what we give. The second part is this, deal soberly with yourself. Before 
anybody else first take the log out of your own eye. Hypocrite. You hypocrite. Now, Jesus loves that word. Have you noticed that? And we've been in this Sermon on the Mount. He uses that word hypocrite a lot. Because it's such a great picture of what we do. A hypocrite is someone who wears a mask. They're, they're a fake or a phony. It's, it's not who they really are. Who they really are is hidden underneath this mask. And Jesus is saying when you judge others harshly, you're being hypocritical because that's not the way you've been judged. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. When you've, when you've set in the presence of God and you've received his judgment and his mercy and his grace and you understand his judgment of you, which is not to be feared, but it's to free you, and you've received his grace and his mercy and his truth and his love, then you will naturally reciprocate that outward, outwardly. That's what gives you the ability to see clearly. You remember a few years, a few years back, it's been quite a few years back now, we were uh, at football practice and, and I actually went to North Muskegon High School. So just down the road here, uh, the practice field, and, and it was kind of one of our early practices in the, in the field, the practice field had been freshly mowed and there was a few of us that got out there early and we were just horsing around and having fun. And, and one of my friends, Jason, he got like a little blade of grass in his eye. And he was kind of trying to just work. He eventually started to, you know, he's rubbing his eye. Now his eye's getting red and irritated and swollen, right? And, and he's, he's like, he can't get this blade of grass out of his eye. And so finally, after a while, we're like, are you okay? And his eye's red and swollen. And he's like, I got something in my eye. And so we said, we'll just lay down. And, and we're, you know, high school football kids. We didn't have any, like, latex, sterile gloves. We didn't have any saline solution. We had just like our grubby fingers and we're like, we'll get it out of there for you, don't worry, you know. <laughs> and so he laid down and it was like so, so careful. He's like, you know, doing this and you can see this blade of grass in his eye that he can't get out. We're trying so carefully to like get the, the blade of grass without hurting or damaging his eye. And that's why Jesus uses the example or the illustration of the eye because removing the speck from somebody's eye is a delicate, precise, gentle, loving, patient act of service that you do for somebody. Not a harsh, condemning, like, I'll set you straight. Like, does anybody listen to the person who comes in with like the big log in their own eye going, you got problems, I'll fix you. Like, no thanks, right? You're the last person I wanna talk to. It's the person who's like, hey, I know what that feels like and I know how painful and uncomfortable that is. Just hold still, let me, let me just work on the issue. You see, because right judgment, judging rightly to serve others lovingly is about removing the thing that's causing the problem without damaging or hurting the person in the process. That's the way kingdom culture works. It's not about just setting people straight or or bullying people around, or like, who would be arrogant to think that we can fix each other? Nobody wants to be treated that way. And Jesus is like, don't treat other people that way. Work, it's very, very sensitive. Just like our eye, our physical eye is a very sensitive organ that's very important to us, so are our hearts, our spiritual hearts, right? When somebody comes at you harsh and hard, you don't listen. It's not like, Oh, you know, it was, it was the third time that you cussed at me and told me what an idiot that I was that I was like, you know what, you're right. 
you are so, I am so wrong, man. Thank you so much for just being so truthful. No, we don't do that. Those, those, that's what we resist, but when somebody comes with a, with a gentle, loving, like, hey, let me help you, let me help you. I wanna serve you. I, listen, I understand what you're feeling because I felt those same things. You know the thing about a speck or a splinter is it's actually made of the same thing as a log. You notice that? Like, the log is, is the illustration of a big chunk of wood. A splinter is a little chunk of wood. The reason that we are so familiar with other people's specs is because we are well familiar with it ourselves. That plays into, into so many categories. Let me give you just one, for example. Sometimes in, in social settings, uh, it's easy when you don't know people, or like say even in church in, in the weekend on, on a, in a big service, to come in and to feel like ignored or like nobody cares about you. Or have you, ever, have you ever felt that? You don't have to like raise your hand, but if like you felt like, man, I just feel like that person walked past me. Or I was trying to connect with that person, but it just, it did feel like that they don't care about me or maybe they're just stuck up or they just don't really care about people. Like, you know how, you know how like it's so quick for us to assess and to judge other people in that? Maybe the truth of the matter is not that that person is intentionally trying to ignore you or that they're just being rude, but that they feel just as insecure and awkward as you do. You ever notice that? That's what makes people kind of withdraw. Bad judgment goes, well, that person's just a jerk. Clearly, they think they're better than me. I want nothing to do with them. Good judgment goes, I wonder if that person is feeling anxious or feeling insecure. How can I serve them? And instead of judging and withdrawing, you lean in in love and in mercy and you go, hey, are you okay? Do you, you feel, can I ask you a question? Do you feel like maybe awkward or insecure? And, and you might find that person goes, yeah, oh man. This is, I feel, like, I feel like it takes everything for me just to be in this setting, right? And, and oh, I get that. I totally understand. I know what that feels like. Hey, let me, let's do this. Can I go introduce you to some people? Maybe if you just kind of get to know some people and, and what you're doing is you're serving and you're loving that person. Instead of just judging them and being like, well, they're just this and this and that. You're lovingly leaning in and seeking to know the truth and, and seeking to serve. That's like a picture of seeking to remove the speck from somebody's eye when you've dealt with the log in your own. That happens all the time. Again, here's what Jesus is saying. Judge your own heart rightly to serve others lovingly. Now, verse six, this is where it kind of transitions. Sometimes Jesus, when he's talking, he says things that are like, um, what, what? He says in verse six, do not give dogs what is holy and don't throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Well, who's he, what's he talking about here? This is offensive. I just have to kind of set this up and say, this, this is offensive. It can be very offensive, and, and we live in a culture that is becoming more and more sensitive and more easily offended. Even to the degree of, if people think just because I'm offended, I must be right. And that is delusional. Sometimes the reason that we're offended is because we're absolutely wrong. And we're so sensitive in an area that nobody can talk to us about. And we're just immediately defensive, right? So Jesus talks about Dogs and pigs, like what is, what is he saying here? Don't give, your, don't give dogs what is holy. Don't throw your pearls before pigs unless they trample them underfoot. 
what he's, what he's saying is he's saying, slow your roll, just slow down, okay? It's, it's one thing to be overly critical and harsh and judgmental. It's another thing to be unwise and undiscerning and naive. Slow, exercise discernment when sharing truth. Be, be careful. Because oftentimes the thing that causes offense is the nature of truth itself. Is there something in your life that nobody can talk to you about, or you, if you have this instant, immediate reaction of defensiveness and hostility and rejection. Those are good places to take inventory and go, clearly there's something that in my heart that is causing me to react that way or triggering me that way. Why is that? It was beautiful this, this past week. Like I said, last weekend, we were talking about worry and anxiety and the roots of worry and anxiety and how we need to bring those things before Jesus and how Jesus said, you of little faith, you know? And for somebody dealing with worry and anxiety, that can actually be offensive. Like, I get it. I've battled anxiety in my life. And if somebody comes and says, well, it's because you don't have any faith. It's like, what? Really? No. And, and there, was, there was an immediate reaction and this person reacted adversely and was very upset, actually walked out of the service. But she, she came back to us this week and she goes, I just, I had some time and I realized after seeking the Lord for a while that that was actually a me thing. It wasn't a you thing. You were just, the, the intent, the motive was not to damage or to hurt. It was actually to, to speak truth in a way that brings healing, Right? And it was so beautiful that she, she came back and re-engaged the conversation and didn't just stay in the place of like, well, I know what you meant by that. Clearly, you meant you're better than me and you don't have any idea what I'm going through and you have no idea what it means. It's like all of that would have been a completely wrong judgment. And she came back so humbly and it was such a sweet moment when, it was, when Brian and I were able to go, no, 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 actually, Jesus means for your good. And so yes, when he says it indicates your lack of faith, what he's saying is that you're, you're, not, you're not ultimately trusting him with whatever it is that's causing you anxiety. Your faith is not in him. Oh yeah, it's for your good, not for your damage, right? So in a culture that's so easily offended, it's, it's so crucial that we hang in and we hear the truth. Now, what is Jesus saying here? So let's go back to verse six. If he's saying exercise discernment and sharing the truth, what is he talking about when he talks about dogs and pigs? Is this, is this people that he's talking about? Well, in one degree, to one degree, yes, but Jesus in, in all of scripture uses these metaphors in multiple different places. Here he talks about not giving dogs what is holy or sacred and don't cast your pearls before pigs. And, and just a few verses later in verse 15, he calls false prophets ravenous wolves. Later on, he calls King Herod a fox, right? Like he's using the nature of animals to illustrate the way that people act at times. What he's describing in this passage in verse six is people's hostility and contempt and hatred and rejection of the gospel. Largely, now this kind of falls into two categories because even as believers, even as believers, and if I'm really honest with myself, there's times when people have been lovingly truthful with me that I've, I have reacted adversely and been like, nope, quick to defend, quick to justify, hostile, rejecting, even when people approach rightly. And then sometimes, you know, people approach poorly, maybe harshly or loudly or condemningly, and then that just becomes the easy out for us, right? I don't have to listen to what you're saying because of how you're saying it. But the truth is the truth, and, and the truth is meant to set us free. 
And so where there's places, believers in our lives, where we are quick to react and quick to reject, those are great places to just bring before Jesus. If you're easily offended in a certain area, easily triggered, that indicates that there's something there for you to bring before Christ. Now, so a believer can react hostile at certain times. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, be careful and be wise and be discerning about sharing truth and things of value with people because they might not want what you have. Now, that doesn't mean to, to recoil in fear and apathy and to not, oh, I'm not gonna say anything because I might get an adverse reaction. Jesus is saying exercise discernment. Exercise discernment when sharing truth with believers and unbelievers alike, Okay. The holy things are the things that are sacred and set apart. Jesus says, don't give what's holy to the dogs. Understand contextually, the dogs in Bible times were not like our precious little fluffy whatever doodles they are. They're, everything's a doodle these days, right? <clears throat> That's not necessarily a great picture. Although the nature of a dog is still similar. My dog, she doesn't chew on stuff but she'll, she'll dig up, she'll go after the moles, she'll make a mess, she'll pee in the yard and kill the grass. She doesn't know the difference between a, a hamburger and a filet mignon, right? She doesn't know the difference. She's a dog. She's a dog. That's what Jesus is saying is that some people don't know the difference between what is holy and sacred. Be careful. Don't just throw those things out there. Pigs were considered unclean animals. Pigs don't have any idea how valuable pearls are. They have no clue. What Jesus is saying is he's saying the pearls, the values, the treasures, the principles, the ethics of the kingdom, be wise in discerning how and when you share those things and with whom you're talking. Because some people don't want to hear it. Some people are bent in hostility against the gospel. Paul actually clarifies this over in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. The way it, sometimes we... We're quick to judge because we think, like, well, we'll just, we're just going to fix people, right? We don't fix anybody. Paul said this over in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. He said, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. And verse 10, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world. Now, as a believer, the, we, we can't escape the, the, the sin that's rampant in our culture. It's everywhere, right? We, we're sinners ourselves in need of a Savior just like every single person. And Paul's going, I'm, I meant not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world or the greedy or the swindlers, the, idol the idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. You'd have to leave the world completely. But I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. Brother. So he's delineating between the way that we judge within the body of Christ, in the family of God, in a loving, patient way, and the way that we judge outside not to, not to anyone who bears the name of brother. If he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not to even eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Look at Paul right there. He says, what do I have to do with judging outsiders? It's not our place. It's those who are inside the church whom you are to judge. God judges those on the outside. I think we're, it's, it's errant of us to think that, man, we can't have relationship or conversation without immediately dealing with people's sin issue. It's like, no. Until Jesus is Lord, until someone's heart is changed and they've, they've been transformed from the inside out, you're talking a whole different language. They have a completely different set of values. The culture is, it's two different worlds. And Jesus is like, just be careful about sharing the values and the pearls of the kingdom with people who don't value that. That's what he's saying here, okay? 
So again, let's just kind of recap a little bit. Jesus is not prohibiting judgment. He's just saying do it rightly and lovingly, the way that you've been judged. He's not prohibiting uh, moral assessment. He's just saying don't do that wrongly. Judge your own heart rightly to serve others lovingly and then be wise and be discerning about who you're sharing with. Expect to receive what you give. Uh, Deal soberly with yourself first and then exercise discernment in sharing truth. Now I want to kind of just land, land this here because if we don't understand the whole of scripture, sometimes these passages again can like be taken very much out of context. Being good, right, judging rightly is not something that we can do in our own human abilities. It's not like, okay, I've got this now. It doesn't work that way. The way we, we grow in our ability to rightly judge is by being rightly judged. The gospel and the grace of Jesus Christ flows through us. See, the way that we grow in this is not by thinking really hard to like kind of do it just right. It's by sitting at Jesus' feet and saying, Lord Jesus, would you judge my heart? Help me understand your judgment of me. Because I realize I've got lots of issues. Man, I'm a mess. I've got, I get, I get upset easy. I'm sensitive in that area. I'm looking too long at that stuff. I'm, I'm you know, lying and cheating. I mean, there's all sorts of things that we do that are just wrong and sinful. How can we if we've really sat at Jesus' feet and we really think about the log in our own eye, go out and be harsh with anybody else. That's what he's saying. It doesn't work. When we sit at Jesus' feet and when we sit in his, in his judgment, which is good, it's for our good, it's for our freedom, it naturally flows through us. It flows outwardly. The place to start is, is looking inwardly. Lord, would you judge my heart Can I understand your judgment? I want to be very honest about my own brokenness. And I'm so thankful for how patient and how gracious and how tender you are with me. When we've received it, then we can give it. Maybe maybe this morning, the place to start is by simply just being very honest and receiving it from the Lord first. If we're quick to to jump to conclusions and and assume motives and fill in the blanks and think that we know it all and think that we know people's motives and we've judged and assessed the situation rightly and we won't listen to anybody, that is an indicator of poor judgment. Jesus, that's what Jesus is condemning in this passage. So let's take some time this morning, whether you are a believer or maybe you're far from God, maybe you've never really met Jesus, maybe you've heard about him, maybe you've been like, but I don't, know that I really believe, but this morning there's something in you that's like, I I want to come to Christ. I want to give my life to him. I want to experience him and and his saving power in my life. In these next few moments as as we worship, I would encourage you and challenge you to just begin to pray that deeply and authentically from within. Maybe for others in these next few moments, there's there's a place of, of humility and repentance and just going before God and saying, God, I know that I just, I've not judged rightly. I've not judged people rightly. I've been harsh and condemning. And I have not known your judgments in my life. I've not dealt with my own heart rightly because I'm not trying to help really help anybody else. I'm just trying to make myself feel okay. And that's just a very honest place to come before the Lord. And So let's take a moment, let's pray together. And we're going to continue just to seek him in these next few moments as we respond to what Jesus is saying here today. Lord, we, 
just pause and reflect on, on what you're saying, God, and, and me out make this personal. I, I know in my own life that there's places of problems and, and, and oftentimes I can be just defensive or not wanting to hear truth and, and then simultaneously quick to just condemn and, and judge harshly and it's because I've just forgotten how much I've been forgiven of and, and how big of an issue my own sin is. Jesus, you're the only answer. You're the only way through this. So we look to you. We look to you. Maybe for the first time in these next few moments or maybe a coming back, maybe just a reminder of the way that we treat each other and, and how we love and, and serve each other, Lord. I pray that you would help us to, to grow and to mature from poor judgment into good, righteous judgment. And we can, we can reflect you and, and accurately represent you in our lives. Lord Jesus, we pray all of this in your name. In your name, amen.